Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome everybody to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope all is well. I tell you what, all is not well in America. The coronavirus, it's deadly. And we're going to give you a quick update uh, before we get going. I do want to say we are going to have a lot of levity, though, on today's show. Yes, we like to do humor. We like to do levity. But this time, uh, we are really going to have quite a bit of it with a very special guest. More on that in a moment. But first, uh, a reality update. Look, the White House now saying 100,000 to 240,000 people could actually die in the United States due to coronavirus. And by the way, that's if we maintain social distancing. They say without it, hey, look, this could be a couple of million folks uh, in America who die. And so obviously we've got a serious situation on our hands, if you didn't know that already, but these numbers are pretty pretty striking. The death toll obviously increasing every day in the United States. And President Trump said the surge is coming. Uh, And for the country to basically brace for a very, very painful couple of weeks. Um, you should know that now, now this is important to understand the U.S. does have more confirmed cases than any other country. Uh, as we tape this, it's about 185,000 or so. Uh, more than 3,800 people have died in the U.S. Now, I, I do want to point out our death rate per capita isn't the highest because we're actually kind of low on the list. It's about 2% or so. Italy and Spain, much higher death, uh, uh, death rates per capita. But still, uh, the last time I checked, death is death, and we are all living through this. Uh, obviously, I feel for the families uh, that have lost loved ones, and then, of course, all of the families, and that means all of us in America who are having to pretty much deal with this. I mean, we've got, um, you know, let's see, we, we go for walks and we go to the grocery store, and that's pretty much it. A life has been shut down, and, you know, the UN Secretary General said the other day that this pandemic is the greatest test, that's what he called it, the greatest test that the world has faced since the end of World War II, folks, uh, I got to agree with them. I don't agree with the UN on much and definitely not the Secretary General, but in this case, he is correct. Today, though, look, a break from all of that reality, some levity, and there's some science behind the levity. We'll get to that at the end of the podcast. But this is actually some life-saving levity, and it's courtesy of a wonderful man named Peter Hollins. He's on the podcast today. You know, Hollins is this YouTube sensation. He's known for this amazing a cappella voice. Kind of reminds me of my voice in my youth. Okay, not really. Uh, He's a producer of some of the most creative and entertaining music videos you're going to ever see. And his latest video is called the epic hand-washing parody, of course, dealing with the coronavirus. It already has hundreds of thousands of views. It's on its way to millions, trust me. He's basically singing about good hand-washing tips and hygiene, but here's the thing. He does it in a very creative way to popular pop music songs. Here's just a small little audio clip. Listen here. We need good Oh, 
things So you're a tough guy, like to touch the mug guy Like to keep your palms dry, cough into your hands guy I'm the clean type, like to see it clean type Trust the CDC type, scrub the surface sheen type I'm the bath guy Peter Hollins with some amazing vocal and video talent. Wait till you see the video. We have it up on justthenews.com. We have a, at least a portion of it uh, that we've embedded into our page. And of course, he has this amazing following on YouTube. We'll get to that in a moment. You know, he lives out in Eugene, Oregon. He creates these masterpieces from his home studio in a cul-de-sac. And he doesn't have to leave home, which, of course, nowadays is good because no one's leaving home. Um, but really, with the amazing voice that he has, he's had a chance or he actually had a chance to sign with a big record label. He passed on that. He chose his family instead. He went on to say that. And there's a quote from him. He said, going on the road 200 days a year is not going to make me a good father and a good husband. So he's got a great story of uh, family and faith and uh, and all of that to tell uh, on the podcast today. We're going to go one on one with Peter Holland's. Uh, it is an inspiring story. You do not want to miss it. And by the way, while we're on the subject of hand washing, here's a little trivia for you. So, look, next time you're at a cocktail party, which um, newsflash for everybody, that could be months and months from now. But anyhow, next time you're at a cocktail party, why don't you drop some of these factoids on people and you can watch them be impressed or potentially creeped out and disgusted. I don't know. Take your uh, take your choice on that. But did you know? And here you go. It's all true. Look, this is justthenews.com. We've researched this. This is in multiple places. Did you know only about 5% of people wash their hands correctly? That's kind of disgusting. It gets worse. Listen to this. Most people only wash their hands for six seconds. And did you know that only about 30%, it's 33% of people, I'm going to pause when I say this, they don't use soap when washing their hands. That's great. Let's just use some water. Uh, and, and here's, it, it gets even worse. We're kind of getting down the, the disgusting list on this. So, you know, you, you might want to like put your hands in your, or your fingers in your ear. But of course, at that point, you wouldn't be able to hear the podcast. Anyhow, uh, 7% of women and 15% of men do not wash their hands ready at all after <clears throat> using the bathroom. That's right. So 7% of women don't do it. And 15% of men, of course, the men are worse. I mean, that, that doesn't come as a shock after using the bathroom. And did you know that most bacteria on our hands is actually under the fingertips and the nails? You probably heard this, but, you know, we're washing the palms of our hands, so we're missing the key spots. And also, and I do this, I'll, I'll be honest, I do it, damp hands. You walk away and your hands aren't dry fully. Well, you know, damp hands are actually 1,000 times more likely to spread bacteria than dry hands. And here's the sad part. Only about 20% of people in America dry their hands after washing them. I'll be honest with you. I need to get better at that. All right. Here's the most disgusting stat of the day. Thank you very much. You'd only hear it on the Pod's Honest Truth. Fecal matter. That's right. 10% of credit cards have fecal matter on them. 14% of money and 16% of cell phones have fecal matter on them. On them. Why don't you think about that the next time you decide to go to the bank or maybe, I don't know, handle a dollar bill or a five dollar bill for that matter. And by the way, did you know almost 40 percent of people don't wash their hands after sneezing, coughing or even after blowing their nose? Uh, that is just um, <clears throat> phenomenal. 
One last thing, a quick tip of the day, and this is according to Don Schaffner. He's a professor of food science at Rutgers University. He studies food safety and microbiology. Actually, sounds fascinating. A little bit above my pay grade. I'm more into just like, uh, I don't know, just journalism and eating. But this guy's into microbiology. Uh, He says hand washing is important, obviously, but he says the real key is you got to use the right soap. He says you're never going to get all the germs off your hands. So really, to reduce your chances at getting the disease, scientists have found that actually if you wash with antimicrobial soap, microbial? Antimicrobial soap is better than just plain old soap. And that's because the antimicrobial soap contains this antibacterial chemical. It's called triclosan. Maybe you've heard of this. Look, if you've heard of it, great. But, you know, hey, I, I haven't heard of it. So triclosan is in this antibacterial soap, and that's why it's important to use that soap rather than just plain old soap. All right, there you have it. Just the news. And we give you just the news because we are on justthenews.com. That's where you can find this podcast, The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Go ahead and uh, subscribe, sign up at iTunes, uh, let's see, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast. Wash your hands and then click the subscribe button and then wash your hands after you click the subscribe button. John Solomon reports also on that uh, podcast lineup and Cheryl Atkinson has a podcast as well, investigative and informative, all of them. Even this podcast, informative. Why? Because we just talked about fecal matter. All right, back in a moment with Peter Hollins on the Pod's Honest Truth. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. All right, before we get to Peter Hollins, uh, we have come a long way, you know, when it comes to hand washing, by the way. If you think about it, uh, people wash their hands in this day and age, and that's great, and mom was right all along. But how about in the mid-1800s? Have you heard about the story of Hungarian doctor Ignaz Simmelweis? I hope I pronounced it right. If I didn't, it's Hungarian. What do you want? Look, I'm not great at Hungarian, okay? Uh, But that was his name, Dr. Simmelweis. He's He's the man known for finding a cure for childbed fever. So he's experimenting, right? And he told everyone who would listen back then that the ha- that hand washing, this is in the mid 1800s, hand washing greatly reduced infections in newborns because what he started to do was he started using chlorinated lime water and washing his hands before surgeries. And then all of a sudden, this is what he found. The rate of childhood, excuse me, childbed fever dramatically decreased. So then he tried to promote it among his medical colleagues. They laughed at him, ridiculed him, all of that. They said, give me a break. And they got angry at the doctor. Why did they get angry at this hand-washing doctor? Because they felt that it made it look like those doctors were the ones giving childbed fever to the women. Right. So so they got angry at the doctor. Anyhow, Simmelweiss got angry as well to the point that he basically went insane. Long story, he committed himself to, or they they committed him to a mental institution and he died at the age of 47. There's your first hand washing story back from the mid 1800s and here we are today. Fast forward to the present and of course we know hand washing more important than ever, especially in this day and age of coronavirus. And hey, what a difference uh, nearly 200 years can make. And that transitions us to our interview with Peter Hollins today. He's one of a kind. I got to tell you, I love this guy. Started watching his videos over the weekend. Couldn't stop watching for hours. So we talk about his epic hand-washing parody and his life as an artist. He has quite a story to tell. Here is Peter Hollins on The Pod's Honest Truth. Peter Hollins, thanks for joining me here on The Pod's Honest Truth. Really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. 
Uh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Well, let me ask you, uh, first of all, uh, let's start with COVID-19. And before we get to the hand-washing video, how is the family? How's your wife, the kids? How's everybody out there in Eugene, Oregon? Well, we're doing pretty well. Um, I've sent my entire team home, so everybody's working remote. Uh, my, my son's been dealing with like an interesting low-grade fever for, for about 14 days, but we're, we're doing okay. You know, he's hanging in there. It's actually his, his sixth birthday today, so we're trying to make him hmm. feel very special and loved today. That's great. How about you guys? Well, we're doing okay. I mean, I've got two older ones. I've got a 28-year-old and a 26-year-old, and then uh, two boys, and the girl is 17 years old. So, unfortunately for her, senior year, and, uh, you know, we'll see about school oh. in terms of graduating. I know. I know. So. Yeah, that's, that's hard. We'll see how it goes. Hey, the hand-washing video, um, you know, it's gone viral. T tell me a little bit about, uh, obviously, I, I think I know the reason you wanted to do it, but kind of take me through the genesis of the project a little bit, because it is just fantastic if, if no one's seen it. We're, we'll play some of the video here. Oh, thank you so much. Well, truthfully, I so desperately needed to do something, uh, and I've been given this platform uh, and I know how to create, and I knew the one thing that we all needed at the time and still currently is some form of levity. And truthfully, I saw a TikTok. I saw a TikTok video of somebody <laughs> doing uh, hand washing, and I was like, oh, I never thought to wash my hands and do this for the thumb. And I was like, well, I mean, if I didn't know how to wash my hands as a 40-year-old, then I bet I could teach other people how to do it. And so I, I spent a lot of time in due diligence watching the CDC and their best practices, and then I started creating this viral video with my team. And it was the one thing that really gave us something to focus on that was good and inspirational and positive that allowed us to kind of release the anxiety that we were all feeling. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that we're all feeling in general, but as a creator, the one thing that gives me joy and allows me to feel like I'm doing the right thing is to, is to create. And I wanted to make sure that I could create something to create value for everybody that is needing it. And the one thing that could really help us is proper hygiene. And so I thought, I'm going to try to make people laugh and learn how to wash their hands better in the process. I love it. Tell me a little bit about the creative process and laughter and how important that is, especially during times like this. I mean, we've never seen anything like this and, and, and how crucial that is to kind of keep balance and perspective during these times. Yes. Uh, well, um, I, I'll, I'll give you a two, twofold uh, answer on that one. The first one uh, it was such a joy to be able to concentrate on this project in the midst of all of this chaos that, uh, that we can't really control outside of our inner circle, you know, outside of our own family. And so um, working on this even remotely with my team during the beginning of a pandemic and seeing us all come together and concentrate on this so deeply and work overtime and, and get this video from concept to release in, in eight days, uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. And not only... Uh, something that that helped me a great deal during uh, during the time that we all needed to laugh because I mean let's be honest it, the video is me being silly so that you can laugh <laughs> at me the whole time but it also it gave it gave all of my team members something uh, uh, of an outlet to kind of forget uh, what we were going back to in regards to uh, you know this uncertain time um, but it's so necessary to laugh and and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't describe in a more honest way how much I needed to create this just as much as I hope that other people needed to see it. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't get my own, my own five-year-old 
to wash his hands correctly. And, and he heard the song twice and he was already humming and singing to himself <laughs> while he was washing his hands. And I was like, gosh, I think this is actually going to be able to help people. So I'm not quite sure if that answered your question. I'm a little bit ADHD, but. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. Let me ask you, where, where does your, how do I say this? Where does your brain go on some of this stuff? I mean, it is so creative. It is you, like I, some of these, I mean, I, I have to tell you, I watched like nine hours worth of your videos, but on this one specifically, I mean, how do you determine some of the songs and the Bruno Mars thing, uh, the, the whole thing with Maroon 5 or, or, you know, when you're going around in a circle, I mean, how are you choosing these? How does that kind of, kind of how does that process work for you? Yeah, um, a lot of the time it comes down to following my instincts uh, as, a, as a musician. And uh, this one specifically, because I truly did want to go at it from the perspective of how do I get this to be shared with people, to, to have as many touch points as possible, to hopefully get into their subconscious, to get them to wash their hands longer, to like be like, oh my gosh, I never thought that I could wash behind my palms like this. And then um, I, I honestly took it from a data perspective. I went from the top 50 most watched viral videos the last six years and then i broke it down into what the cdc recommends in regards to 20 second or longer segments because you're supposed to wash your hands for 20 seconds and so i was like well these 12 songs all have a beat per minute that would give me eight bars that would be longer than 20 seconds so i'm going to run with these ones and then from the 12 we cut down to the 10 after we uh you know it, it's all based upon on data when you're trying to like check all the boxes in order to like go viral and you can never guarantee any of those things but i wanted to pick music that was fun uplifting and that could grab different demographics ears mm -hmm. you know um but as far as like the way that we tried to mimic the music videos that was very much similar to just the way that the original artists did their music videos because mm -hmm. for instance in the in the bruno in the excuse me in the bruno mars like you know they have the, the four guys doing their really cool like dancing and so i tried <laughs> to mimic that and then in the uh, Adam Levine's song when you have like the two guys that are like circling one another rotating yeah you know that's I mean, it's a it's a as close of a ripoff that we could do in in my garage and my green screen that we could possibly pull off but well well you mentioned the garage and the green screen tell me a little bit about I don't want to get into the whole apparatus but you literally could just live what you do you live and work in a cul-de-sac in essence in Eugene Oregon and and this is this is your life Peter Hollins is that correct yes yeah so I mean, one of, the, one of the interesting things about the current time that we're living in is we have all these amazing, amazing artists and, and comedians. Uh, they're stuck at home and they're creating content still, like Jimmy Fallon, he's just creating it in his, uh, you know, in his playroom or on his porch. And uh, I currently almost have like one of the highest production values that, and in far, as far as creating content, because like my workflow hasn't changed. I'm still utilizing, you know, the same audio studio, the same, uh, makeshift garage, but but you know, I mean, it, it 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 can it can actually look pretty good. So yes, it it's, so it's interesting. Yeah, I you know I've always uh, worked in in this house, and I'm honored to keep on doing so. And yeah, it's gonna make dorky acapella stuff that hopefully inspires and moves people. And uh -huh. I don't know, I I believe in the the human voice. I believe the the voice is the most powerful instrument. Uh, we're all given it. I think we all have the power to use it. And uh, I try to use mine uh, to uh, to create, you know, acapella music of of all sorts. I don't know. 
What uh, I have to tell you, Peter, what has this been like for you? Because it's been quite a ride for you. And I, you mentioned the word dorky, not me. And you've mentioned it quite a few times. I, I know I've done some research about you're just you were like the dorky kid, uh, you know, growing up. And here you are, uh, the, this self-made video entrepreneur. Uh, not only that, obviously, a wonderful the, the voice you have is amazing. I, I guess I want to ask a little bit about your, your childhood a little bit. I, I know your father uh, passed away, I guess, before you, before you were born. He had brain cancer and it led to some, some issues there. So, so what was that like and, and why music uh, was able to kind of bring you alive in all of this? Yeah, I mean, my mom uh, heard me singing in, in the shower right before I was going into high school and she forced me into choir against my will. Um, <laughs> and uh, up until that point, I, I had a really, really rough go at it. I mean, everybody had those kids in their classroom growing up that uh, were the ones that got picked on. And, and you know, that was, that was me. And now, honestly, that was me until I got out of the small town that I grew up in. Because I was like, I was a dorky kid that didn't really have a lot of humor at home growing up because we were just trying to make it by. And so, yeah. you know, I picked my nose. I got made fun of it. I, like, didn't have a great sense of humor. But I found my voice when I was introduced to choir. and it really changed my world and it, and it, it brought me, um, it, it, it helped me find myself. Um, my father, my father actually was the longest living survivor of his type of astrocytoma in the United States when he passed away when I was, when I was 32. Really? Uh, he was given six months to live in 77, in 79 and 81. And I was born in, you know, I was born in 80. Um, but my father was always, um, someone that I took care of growing up because he was blind and, he had, um, he had lots of disabilities. Uh, so it was, it was a different upbringing where, um, you know, the firstborn was taking care of the, the, my father. My mom was always just going to work and trying to provide for us. And so it was a, it was a different upbringing, but everybody's, is, everybody's, else, everybody's upbringing is different. It was challenging. Um, uh, what was the other questions? No, that was, <laughs> that was perfect. You answered it in full uh, and, and, and more so. Let me ask you a little bit about your family. Uh, and I don't just mean your, your family there in Oregon, but your Hollins family, as you call them. Uh, they yeah. are, in essence, the stars of this video along with you. And, and it's just a wonderful thing to see. Uh, this is what you said, because you, you've had a chance to kind of go, I mean, you've already made it big, but you had a chance to do the record label thing and go on tour and do the whole thing. And, and here's a quote you said at one point, quote, this is you speaking, going on the road to 200 days a year is not going to make me a good father and a good husband. And I can tell in those videos, uh, the way you incorporate your family in the videos and after, it makes a big difference to you. Can you tell me about the family aspect to all of this? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, had the, I had the opportunity to uh, do the entire major record label uh, thing. And um, the thing that gives me the most joy in life is being a good husband and a good father and everything else that I, I, I get to do, even though I get to, you know, make, make a living singing, which is the one thing that, that really drives me, uh, I need to stay grounded. And I truly believe in trying to not only myself live a life that is uh, focusing on, on being a good father and a good husband, but trying to also educate my peers who believe that there's only really one way to make it in regards to being a musician or a creator. And that is that you, you know, you have to always be on the road and that you have to like think about uh, truly uh, making it as making tons of money and 
and having lots of fame and having things. Um, and that's a lot of, a, a lot of mm-hmm. self-learning on my side in regard to like, what is the definition of true success? Um, and the things that have brought me happiness in life, um, things that are short lived are, are, are what society puts forth as like, this is what true success is for a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love the fact that I was able to like have a couple number one billboard charting albums and all that's like that's super great but in the end it doesn't mean anything yeah. and awards and 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 like the limelight uh it's, it's nothing compared to the fact that like you know when I'm done with a few or more interviews today I get to go home and celebrate my my son's six month birth six year birthday and and I know this is maybe dorky or maybe a little too early but I bought him uh, a, a Nintendo, like the old school video game Nintendo. And I'm so excited to pl- let him play his first video games with me. We're going to like have that experience together playing Mario Brothers of like, doot, doot, doot. I'm like, that's like, the, I'm so excited about that. And like right now I'm recording a second parody that's more focused, not on like hygiene, but on like self quarantine and trying to go about that angle uh, through levity again, even though it's a little bit more of a serious topic. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I know that I can provide a lot of value, but I, I just want to get back and celebrate the birthday with him, you know? Yeah. So there is another video coming then on COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how I cannot create yeah. content right now that is um, able to provide value. Um, so, so like the last, the last, um, last video raised 100% of the revenue for globalgiving.org's um, COVID-19's uh, uh, charity that they have. Um, this one, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, we haven't finalized the, the charity for it yet, but I really do believe that one of the things that, that is really being affected in this uh, pandemic is that certain children aren't able to have food that they, uh, that they're getting from schools, like a lot of these young, lower income families. And so I'm trying to, to find the right, uh, charity for that, do my due diligence on that, like we did with the first one. And hopefully we can, uh, get some awareness for that as well. I mean, there's so many worthwhile charities right now. I mean, I, I know so many of my own friends that have lost their jobs. This is a yeah. a very trying time, but I, I can't not try to provide awareness and education because, you know, there's just so much misinformation everywhere. And if I can at least try to do the one thing to bring us all together, even if it's bringing us all together alone uh, to try to fight this thing, it's I, I, I'm going to try to do it, you know? That's wonderful. Hey, Peter, last uh, couple of questions. Um, I'm just curious about those, those Christmas, uh, the Christmas album. And uh, yeah. by the way, on a separate note, The Greatest Showman uh, was the acapella. I mean, I, I listened to that twice or I watched it twice. Unbelievable. The Rewrite the Stars with You and Your Wife. Phenomenal. But anyhow, oh, uh, I can go on and on. But the Christmas album and Amazing Grace and, and Mary Did You Know. And yeah. uh, what did that mean to you? I mean, I, I don't know anything much about your, your faith and, and how you view all of that. But I am curious those videos seemed um, pretty pretty poignant uh, uh, and I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what those meant to you yeah it's interesting um, the music that has always resonated the most with me uh, my entire life has always been uh, Christmas music and um, I look forward to so much uh, creating uh, new new renditions of Christmas music that have, has been so Im- impactful to me and my family and my memories growing up. And it's, I mean, there's so many different angles uh, to uh, discuss about it, but the the, um, the emotion and the integrity that those songs have and uh, the meaning behind it is is something that allows um, 
allows the the musician to 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 I don't know what's the best way to say this. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna pivot and say right now, for instance, and I, I, this is the better best angle for me. I'm creating an Inspire album. Mm -hmm. It's like it's called Inspire, and then like Legendary Songs of Hope. And my goal with this album is to it's like there's six hymns, there's six songs that are on the other spectrum, like Let It Be or God Only Knows from, from the Beach Boys. And my goal is to try to bring people together, like people in my world, in my life, who like would only listen to uh, music uh, about Jesus and, uh, and, and then other people that, that, that won't because of whatever their upbringing says. And my, my goal is to make music that um, gets people who aren't used to listening to uh, something else um, but 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 fall into it because of 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 the the totality of what the music means and and not really think about what they're listening to to help them find uh, new meaning in it I guess yeah yeah and, and I'm wondering about that real quick on the new meaning I mean we're it's tough to kind of process this COVID nineteen situation uh, you know kind of what's what's God up to or where is God a lot of people question how do you kind of do you work through that at all, or, or is that not part of the calculus for you? I mean, I, I think that he is working through those right now that are on the front lines. I, I feel like yeah. he's, he's, he's working through me and, and, and forcing me to work as hard as I can and focus on doing what I can to promote um, levity and, and pass my skills that I have been given uh, and, and let people feel that as much as possible. And I mean, I feel like that's what I've been pushed to do my entire life. And right now it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's on a, a slightly different scale. I don't, I don't really ever fall into the where, where is God? Cause I feel like God is everywhere and God is love and it's, it's part of all of us. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm working my butt off to create as much music and, and love and levity as possible right now, because that's my job. That's why I'm here. Peter Hollins, thank you so much for bringing a smile to so many people's faces in this very, very, very difficult time for a lot of folks. Uh, I, I, you wear your heart on your sleeve, I can tell. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. My pleasure. That is Peter Hollins on the pod's Honest Truth. You know, Hollins is so many things, and, and we appreciate him joining us here on the podcast today. I mean, he's a singer, a producer, an entrepreneur, but, you know, in a way, he's also a bit of a doctor, You've heard the saying, right? Laughter is the best medicine. Well, you know what? Technically, that's true. It does help the brain relax. I mean, it improves health. It helps fight off disease. And it's interesting because scientists have shown that laughter actually decreases stress hormones and it increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies. So basically, you have better resistance to fighting off disease. And also, by the way, laughter triggers the release of endorphins. You've probably heard of those, right? Those feel-good chemicals in your body. Well, those endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being, and they can even tempor temporarily relieve pain. So, Peter Hollins, thank you for temporarily relieving some pain in the lives of millions and being a good doctor, a doctor of laughter in a time where this world needs it more than ever because we need to laugh more and indeed it is the best medicine until next time on the pods honest truth